All right, get in here. Let's do this. Now, we all know that all of our senses are extremely important. Believe me, I love to taste delicious food. I love to hear the birds chirping. I love to smell a fantastic candle. I love to be touched. And I especially, I mean, I especially love to see. Now imagine if you had to undergo a serious eye procedure that not only threatened your vision, but also your mental health. Can you imagine? Well, that's exactly what my guest Talia Delju, a top positive psychology expert, experienced. It had a profound impact on her life, and we talk about it on today's episode, and it is a fantastic conversation. But before we get into that convo, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by my friends at Caldera Lab. Named by GQ as the best natural face serum for men, Caldera Labs The Good is made 100% from plants and is an amazing non-toxic skincare product. I personally use The Good and I've noticed it makes my skin look and feel really smooth and fresh. Plus, it smells absolutely fantastic. So some cool news, you can receive... 20% off your first order of the good. All you have to do is head on over to calderalab.com and use the discount code Antonio at checkout. Once again, head on over to calderalab.com and use the discount code Antonio. Best of all, you can try it 100% risk-free. If you don't love it after 60 days, they will refund you in full All of this information is in the show notes. All right, last but not least, I would love to hear from you every single week. I send out the most amazing, I mean, amazing text messages. If you want to receive them, you want to interact with me, all you have to do right now is pull out your phone and text me at 310-564-7124. Once again, hit me up at 310-564-7124. Okay, without further ado, let's get to episode 70 of the Best Thing Podcast with Talia Delju. Hey everyone, welcome to the Best Thing Podcast, where I talk to people about the best thing to happen to them that doesn't include the traditional markers of success. I'm your host, Antonio Neves. I'm the author of Stop Living on Autopilot, a speaker and success coach. Each week, I bring on a new guest who has a powerful story to tell that will motivate, inspire, and help you see life through a new lens. This week's guest I first learned about on this thing called Instagram and then through some mutual connections. And ever since, I've been blown away by her and her work. Talia Delju is a positive psychology expert and life coach, helping people find their path, honor their gifts, and connect to their purpose. Through her signature coaching program, Powered by Purpose, and her Forbes featured podcast, Sincerely Me, Talia gives people the tools to break through their challenges and be guided by their purpose with clarity and confidence. With a master's degree in positive psychology and further training in mindfulness-based stress reduction, energy work, and transformational coaching, she has shared her insights along the likes of Deepak Chopra, Adam Grant, and Jen Sincero. Her work has been featured across platforms, including Forbes, Fortune, and Business Insider, and Well and Good. Talia Delju, welcome to the Best Thing Podcast. I'm 
and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> and the crowd goes wild. I love reading people's bios. It like it just always amps me up. I like it. Like I'm doing this live, so people probably heard me read this, and maybe heard me mess up a couple of times. I do this live. I don't like because I like to. It helps me connect with the guests as I read this, as we as we dig into it. And you know, let, let's dig into this. And I want to dig in with your name first, Talia Del Joux. Tell me about that last name because when I say your last name, I feel like I'm about to speak a foreign language. I feel smarter. <laughs> Tell me about Del Joux. Okay, I also just have to say how hyped I got hearing you introduce me. That was kind of a really fun experience. Um, and thank you so much for having me, Antonio. I'm just pumped for wherever this conversation is going to go. So yeah, my name, my parents are both from Iran. And so it is a Persian name. And Del Joux actually means kind of from the soul, from the heart. What's interesting too is that in the Persian language, the word for stomach is the same word as the word for heart. And so it's this like from the soul, like from your gut. And Talia is also both a Persian name and a Hebrew name. So I am both Jewish and Iranian, first generation American. So it's a whole, yeah, a whole bunch of different storylines and through lines that have woven together to make me who I am and bring me to where I am today. You just say Jewish and Iranian. There are so many storylines that we can go in just with that right there that we won't dig into today, but a lot of uh, history on, on that. But I want to ask you about this. I was going to say, what's it like growing up in an Iranian household? But you, you know, you got deeper in your background. What was it like growing up in your in your household? Yeah, family. Family was big. There was always family around. My dad's the youngest of seven. And my mom has a brother and and most of our family were lucky in that almost everyone's here in Atlanta, or at least was growing up. A lot have moved out to California at this point, but we, at least once a week, the whole family, it wasn't just like four of us family dinner. It was 30 of us family dinner. And food was such a central part of our life. Music was such a central part of our life. Storytelling. I mean, it really was everything. Family was everything. And and it still is. And of course, things change. Life gets busy. We all get older and things happen. But it's still very much a, a very central part of who I am and what I value. And tell me more about storytelling, because I see you in many <laughs> ways as a, as a storyteller. Uh, I think some people on social media and blogs and the messages they give, they, they just talk. They're just talking. They're just saying things. As I look at the messages that you convey in your videos and beyond, you're also telling a story. And I think that's why people probably deeply connect to you and your work. So I'm curious about the stories that were told in your household. Was it like, like instead of turning on the VHS movies or watching DVDs, <laughs> y'all got around and just told stories? What was it like? Yeah, I appreciate that uh, reflection a lot. And yeah, it was, you know, we didn't watch a lot of TV growing up. We didn't watch a lot of movies growing up. There are still a lot of classics I've never seen. And, and so it's, it's almost a combination now that I think of it as both storytelling, but also storytelling through song. Um, I just remember my, my most vivid memories were of all of us sitting on the ground in my aunt and uncle's living room, the lights being turned off after dinner. And of course we eat dinner at like 10 PM after dinner, everybody sits on the ground and, you know, everyone's got their cup of tea and their Persian sweets. And usually it was my aunts who would take the lead and, and sing music. And um, sometimes my grandmother would jump in. And, you know, what's interesting too, is that I, it wasn't necessarily like there were always, I do speak Farsi, but not fluently enough to really understand some of these like super poetic songs that would be sung, but there was, you could feel it, even if you didn't understand every word, the way they sang it is what told the story more than the words 
itself almost. Um, and just the emotion and, and the, the room would just fall to stillness. And it, those memories are, yeah, the most near and dear to my heart. That's amazing. A couple things pop up for me as you say that. First, I've had some Persian treats <laughs> and they are addictive and very, very tasty. You know, we talked about storytelling, you talked about singing, but as I'm hearing you talk, it also sounds like what's happening is a passing on of tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some rituals, if you will. Is, is that fair to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell me, tell me more about that. Yeah. So... And it's interesting that you say that because there's almost a sadness that arises as you say that because it's been it's been a long time since we've had moments like that where we've all sat on the ground, lights are off. Like there was there was almost this there was a slowness to life, you know, 20, 30 years ago that is hard to find, I think these days. Even when we do get together with family now, yes, we still do the rituals, but it's it's almost like, okay, like next, like let's move through this so we can get to dinner, so we can get to bed, so we can get up to m- tomorrow morning. And so that the sweetness and the slowness of time um, that seemed to hold the most meaning as a part of that ritual, I think has has been lost a little bit. Um, so that didn't directly answer your question, but that's what comes up as you ask. No, I understand what you're saying. A lot has been lost over this time, especially with families that used to commune, get together on a regular basis, have those conversations, hear the music say so many things that haven't been said. I haven't seen my mother in a year and a half. I haven't seen my father in a year and a half. Both have uh, conditions that make it a little bit challenging. Hopefully I'll get to see them really soon, but but I miss a lot of that. You mentioned earlier, you know, being a first generation American. My my father uh, was a first generation American. And I'm curious, I'm not sure if you can really compare it too much, maybe to your friends that you grew up with, but what were some of the things that were instilled in you as a first generation American? Again, I'm not sure the time frame that your parents were born, but I'm guessing mm-hmm. things were a little bit different for them than they were for you <laughs> being raised in the United States. What, what were some of the things that were instilled in you? Yeah. So it's interesting too, because as you ask that question, I wouldn't say we grew up in a very traditional home. Like I, I have a lot of Iranian American friends who grew up with a pretty traditional sense of like there, there, there was just this essence of their culture that was more traditional. That's the best way I know how to put it at the moment. And I think my parents assimilated quite well and were very much um, aware that, you know, how they grew up and what worked for them was not necessarily what was going to work here. And so, you know, for my sister and I, we grew up with a lot of independence, a lot of autonomy, a lot of, you know, we were supported in anything and everything. And I think a lot of, you know, the folks that I know, it very much much was the pressure of doctor, lawyer, like we, you know, success was very much pushed hard. And not to say my parents didn't push it hard, but it was almost like a, we trust you. It was very much an empowered way to kind of raise two girls. And, and I think there was always this sense with my dad as someone who's, you know, come from nothing and, and built amazing businesses. He was always this guy who, you know, had a dream. Okay. Amazing dream and then go figure it out. Like dreams were always encouraged. And I think that's, that is somewhat unique to the way we grew up and were raised as a family compared to some of the the other folks and families I know in my community. Yeah. As you were sharing that and you talked about, you know, traditional families versus non-traditional families. I'm thinking about my father again, who was a first generation American. I, my brain all of a sudden popped to around 2012 when I told all my friends in New York City that after 12 years of working in TV as a reporter, correspondent, having a successful career, that I was moving to LA and I was going to pursue work in the leadership and development field. And I was going to become <laughs> a coach. And they said, life coach? Like I was committing a crime. 
So I'm curious for you and your upbringing, your family, when your family knew that you were going to pursue this work to be a coach. And let's not be silly. Both of us have have master's degrees and we're educated. Was there any uh, resistance at all from family when you told them what you were going to pursue? Never, never any resistance. I mean, the opposite. I think right out of grad school, I ended up becoming partners with a, you know, a, a now former business partner in a coaching business together. And my dad was, you know, the first in line to raise his hand and say, what do you need? How can I help? Like what? There's no question. This is your thing. This is your passion. I think I've been very fortunate in that I've always known like deep down, I've always known. I've never really questioned my path. It's, it's been more of like, okay, well, what's the next way this is going to look. But because I've had so much confidence in what it is, I think he saw that and wanted to, you know, support it and, and, um, nurture that and make sure that there were no obstacles in the way of me, at least seeing where it took me, which is amazing. That's dope. And as you talk, as you know, the father, myself of five-year-old twins now, it's really encouraging to hear that. And a good reminder as a parent, the things that we can instill in our children. Uh, we also can do the exact, instill good and bad, right? We can put mm-hmm. so much on their shoulders. That's not theirs. It's not their burden. Uh, so for me, that's just a good reminder of how your family has shown up for you. Uh, you know, I mentioned in the intro, and we were just talking about it. You're a coach, you're a positive psychology expert. You have these amazing programs that you work with people individually, but also in groups. Tell me a little bit about who who is the person that finds you. Mm-hmm. I, I think coaching is always so fascinating, and I've done this work for a long time, and I've been blessed to work with amazing clients over the years, one on one. And in group coaching programs, I'm always curious about for coaches, who is that man? Who is that woman yeah. that seems to always find you? Yeah. So do you mind me reading something that I wrote to answer this question? Not as a direct response, but actually as a little bit of a short story. Let's do it. Okay. Since at the beginning, we talked about storytelling and and I've been sitting with this question a lot because every year you, you know, back to the drawing board. Okay. What's the vision? Where is the business going? Who do you serve? And at one point I was like, I want to see if I can answer that question through a story. So I want to share what I wrote here um, because I think it answers the question in a way that, that that's different. So uh, this is when you think of like, okay, who's that, who's that person? Where is she in the world? What does she think about in the world? So here's what I've got. So it says she moves through her days with an underlying hum a quiet curiosity and inner voice, a persistent nudge. Every now and then, an inner calling invites her to consider that there's something else out there, another way to live, a new step to take, a more authentic way of being. It scares her because of what it might mean for who she's become and everything she's done, built, and achieved until now. It scares her because she's come so far and she's not sure who she is without all the things that she's done. In fact, she's not really sure who she is at all. At least that's what she tells herself. Months pass, and as hard as she tries, the voice doesn't go away. It keeps her up at night and wakes her in the morning. A more authentic way, says the whisper, trust me. But because she never learned to listen to her inner voice, she defaults to other people taking the lead. She does everything in her power to justify her choices, her path, her life, having mastered the art of talking herself out of the things she wants most. But deep down, this voice continues asking for her attention. It whispers, I have everything that you're looking for, the answers to your questions, the reason for your being, but she's moving too quickly to hear, or perhaps she's just afraid of what her soul might ask of her. So she finds comfort in the stories she tells herself. Don't rock the boat, do what's expected. It's too late to take risks, just be grateful. 
This is the best it's going to get. What's the point? You can't. There's no way. The next time she finds herself in these stories, I challenge her to choose differently. The next time the voice says there's no way, she learns to pause. Is that true? She asks herself. What if there is a way? And in that moment, she lets her soul take the lead. To choose yourself in a world that teaches you to choose everyone else is the greatest act of love. Answer the call, my dear. This is your purpose. So this to me is is the who. Like this is what they're experiencing. This is what's happening in their minds. This is what they're talking themselves listen, into I, and out of. No, listen, that is so clear. Like, <laughs> first of all, whatever clients come into you via this podcast, I get 10%. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, Done. I, uh, I get 10%. Uh, I'm teasing, <laughs> obviously, but that's super clear because just for the listeners right now in the coaching world, if you've ever worked with a coach or you have a business, one thing they always tell you to do is write down your ideal client profile or, or your customer avatar, all these different words. And it can be super, super generic when people do it. But what you just did painted was you painted a very clear picture that whether it's a man or a woman, I know primarily women work with you. I know who that woman is. And that woman, when they, they read your words, oh my goodness, it's like a a magnet. They're going to be, be called to you. I just love that. It rings. And the question you asked in that, that I wrote down that hit me in the face, hit me in the (laughs) face in a really, really good way is afraid of what her soul may ask of her. That's what all of us right now, even the book, Stop Living on Autopilot, we're, we're afraid of who we can be, how we can show up, because then what? When we show up in that happiness and that glory in that love and we are loved and oh my goodness, I'm about to start preaching because I'm getting fired up. <laughs> Do it, wanna, go there. But I want to go somewhere here fascinating with you on this, Talia, because I, lo- I-, I was scrolling through doing research on you. We talked about what the world may ask of her or who she may be, another way to live, an authentic voice. On your social media, something happened in 2020 for you because I was scrolling back and I was going through just kind of trying to get a better idea of who this woman is. And all of a sudden there was a shift mid-2020 when all of a sudden it went from periodic posting and static posts with words, maybe images of you. Then all of a sudden this new light started shining in you where you are regularly hitting record. You were showing your face. You were letting your voice be heard. Then even slowly but surely, the quality of those videos increased. You could tell, like, oh, she's investing in these videos now. I saw your confidence change from the early videos to the later ones. So what happened (laughs) last year? I I feel like that connects to what you just read. Yeah. I love that you've pointed this out. And I mean, you're so accurate because there was there was a very pivotal point mid-year 2020 where everything changed and and there are a lot of layers to it the surface level layer is i invested in a coaching program um which yes i learned skills and i built my confidence but really in that moment to put that money down was when i affirmed to myself this is this is it like this is the thing and you're worth it. And it's time to start not making excuses anymore. And you're invested now, right? Time, money, but also from a soul place is like, this is the, the affirmation, the commitment, the validation from yourself that this matters enough to you and that this is, it's going to be different moving forward. And it, you know, brought me to my edge, just that, that single decision to, to put the money where my mouth was and, and to be seen by other people who are also moving through this work was really, there's no other option now, Talia, but to go hard. So that was the first piece of it. The second piece 
had to do with a conversation I had with, I know, a mutual friend. We, we share Preston Smiles, who was one of my primary coaches through that experience. And I remember having a very distinct conversation with him where I just said to him, like, I feel like I'm still hiding. I feel like I'm afraid of showing up in my bigness, in my light, in my joy, because I'm afraid of how it might make people feel. I don't want to make people feel bad about themselves. I don't want people to judge me. And he, and I've never had any experience like this. It actually made me cry because <laughs> I'm a, I'm a very sensitive person. And it wasn't so much that he was being mean, but it's exactly, it was a jolt to my system. And I think we all need that every now and then he looked at me in the eyes and he goes, you are a walking apology. He was like, you are a walking apology and you are weak. And I was oh. like, <gasps> deep breath. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, I stopped breathing in that moment. And I was like, Oh my goodness. And and this is kind of a separate piece to this, but I think what's really difficult for me or what's been difficult is when I'm in this business, it's me by myself for myself every day. I don't get a lot of feedback. Like I don't have a manager or a boss giving me feedback. And so for him to just kind of crack that whip and and to call me out, right? Which is what I do, what I love to do for other people, but no one really ever does that for me. And so he called me out in that moment and said for the next 7 days, you need to head onto your Instagram and you need to record a video or share a story about something that you would typically freak out about sharing that would make you want to run the other way that feels. And for me, my whole thing was like, I just don't want to feel, I don't want to be boastful. I don't want to show and share all the great things. I don't want it to come off as bragging. And he said, everything you post has to be perceived by you as boastful and just see what happens. And so the accountability, right? Why do people work with coaches? Lots of reasons, but it's, but Ultimately, it's you have no other option now. You're being held accountable. Someone's watching. And, you know, my feet were to the fire. So that's a part of it. And there was a lot more that came within those kind of six months that I worked through some of my own blocks. But that really did show me how serious this was for me and uh, just took me to the next level from a mindset perspective, from a soul perspective in, in every way. It bled into all parts of my life. Hey everyone, it's Antonio jumping in real quick to let you know that this episode is brought to you by my good friends at Caldera Lab. Named by GQ as the best natural face serum for men, Caldera Labs The Good is made 100% from plants and is an amazing non-toxic skincare product that I use. Made from 27 active plant botanicals, it took over two years of working with chemists and herbalists to develop the formula. It's made for all guys and all skin types, so whether you have a beard, you have a bald head, or just a dry scalp, it keeps your skin looking fantastic, fresh, and moisturized. As a special offer to the Best Thing Podcast listeners, you can receive 20% off your first purchase of the good. All you have to do is head over to calderalab.com and use the discount code ANTONIO at checkout. All of this information is in the show notes. All right, let's get back to the episode. I love it. What I'm hearing very clearly is that you chose A, to invest in yourself. In my experience, sadly, most people very rarely will ever invest in themselves, whether it's therapy, whether it's a coaching program, you name it, and they wonder why they're standing still. I heard you mm -hmm. say very clearly also that you made a firm commitment to yourself. Like mm -hmm. there, there is no 99% commitment. It's like you're in or you're not in. And I think people think they're committed just because they happen to be physically somewhere while I'm here. Just because you show up to work every single day doesn't mean you're committed to the work that you're doing. So I love that. But all 
also, and I got to just reflect for a quick second about uh, what, what your coach Preston was doing in that moment from my perspective, where I sit not being privy to that one-on-one conversation. One, I like to always reframe calling people out to calling people up. Mm-hmm. I saw him calling you up, not out. I think out and up are two different things, though I know exactly what you were saying. And if if, if you've ever worked with a coach before, coaches choose their moments and they can choose their word those words wisely. So that person who's listening right now that may think those words that he used, you are effing weak, may be a little bit aggressive. Know that in that moment, that coach, based on their relationship, probably knew what she could or could not take or what she most needed in that moment. And if he didn't think she could handle that, he probably wouldn't have said that. Again, I can't speak for him, but I'm just thinking about my coaching practice when I've had to be direct with people. And last thing, man, we need people to keep it real with us because we're in a place where people are always saying, thank oh, well, maybe it's not meant to be. You know what? Was it not meant to be or did you give up? It's not too late. Oh, yes, it's not too late. But the longer you wait, the harder it gets. And that's the frustration for me is that our friends aren't keeping it real with us. But guess what? That's why sometimes you make investments in working with coaches because, or do these group coaching programs because you're finally going to get someone being honest with you. Yes. Is it going to be easy to hear? <laughs> no, but that's yeah. why we're here. Oh, yes. so this is also beautiful. We could go keep going down this road for a, a, a long time <laughs> and, and that's okay. But you know, maybe we'll have to do a part two just to continue on this conversation <laughs> because it's really, really juicy and ripe and has so much information that, Look, that I'm connecting to personally as well. Everything you just said kind of, sm- again, smacked me in the face in, in a really, really good way. But let's shift to the title of this podcast. Are you ready okay. for harshtransition.com? Yes. We got to do it because that's, that's what people come to harshtransition.com. Yes. Um, by the way, Tali and I have got to know each other a little bit. I've done some work with her, uh, one of her, her programs. And so, you know, sometimes I forget I'm having a, a podcast episode because I feel like I'm just having a conversation with a a new friend. But you know, this podcast is about the best thing that happened to people that's non-traditional that wouldn't necessarily appear on a resume or bio or or naturally come up in conversation. And then I'm curious for you. And by the way, I know people are listening like, dude, forget about the best thing today. Let's just keep <laughs> talking about what you guys are talking about for just for one episode. Forget about the best <laughs> thing. And maybe I should, but I'm going to go ahead with it because I think something powerful is going to come from it. Yeah, And that is that's one of the best things to happen to you that wouldn't appear on a resume or bio that has shaped and influenced who you are. Yes. So for me, where my mind immediately goes to is the summer between my two years of graduate school, I ended up having a very minor procedure done on my eye. And for whatever reason, this whole experience physically ended up triggering a lot of emotional anxiety for me. And there were about maybe five or six weeks where I had moved back to LA for that second year of grad school. None of my friends or colleagues or classmates had moved back yet. I had moved back early to start working before the semester began. And I feel like I can say this was the first time I was truly alone, like truly on my own by myself, um, while also experiencing some pretty difficult emotions for the first time. I had, you know, experienced stress growing up and I hadn't really understood the difference between stress and anxiety until this happened. And so this whole experience for me ended up helping me really understand what it means to have a relationship to yourself and what it means to look in the mirror and actually see who you are. 
And without getting too into the weeds of kind of how I healed through the anxiety, it, it, it essentially really opened me up to a lot of the healing work that I now do. And I don't talk super openly about the energy work and the healing work that I do. I think there's a part of me that still is afraid of how that might be judged because it's not as scientific or it's not as like... And, I, and when I hear you say energy work, my brain, listen, I live in California. I've done a lot of energy work. I'm thinking everything from hypnosis to to Reiki to mm-hmm. shamanism, et cetera. So is it some of those things or? Yeah, a combination okay. of all the above. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, maybe I'll go there with the story. I wasn't going to go there, but I'll go there. So the woman I ended up going to see for the anxiety was a energy healer, practiced Reiki, and essentially offered me this perspective because she knew for me and for many people, I heal through information. I think what tends to perpetuate my anxiety is not having the answers. And so she comes in very beautifully, gives you information to kind of explain, okay, maybe this is why you're feeling what you're feeling. You're not crazy for feeling this thing. And she had actually shared with me that what she had seen throughout the healing experience was that I had experienced a lifetime blind and that there was this, you know, going through this experience and having my eye procedure, there was this very deep seated fear that I was going to lose my eyesight that made no sense to me on a, you know, on a conscious level. But the minute she said this thing to me, I was like, I, this feels so true to me. And it just opened up this whole world around spirituality for me, around really understanding what's happening behind the thing that's happening behind the thing that's happening. And just, a helped me heal through a lot of what I was experiencing myself. But again, I think has now influenced so much of the way I understand people, the way I support people through their work, because there are things that we just may never know, but we get to get curious. We get to ask questions. We get to explore. And it never it's, it's never what it seems to be on the surface. And I think that's something that does very much lead my approach to my work is like, okay, come in, tell me this, tell me the thing. And, you know, within 10 minutes, we really do get into Okay, but what's really happening here? Oh, I, got, I want to jump in. And I and at first, I appreciate you for sharing all of that. And you said you haven't shared a lot of that publicly. So I feel humbled and I appreciate that you're willing, your willingness to share it here. And you said, you know, never seems to what it never, it never is what it is on the surface, right? And so as a coach, I think a lot of coach, what our job is, if you're an energy healer, you name it, is to, I feel like the, when someone comes to me for coaching, I've learned over the years, they come to me with the leaf on the tree. Mm-hmm. And my job as a coach is to ask great questions and do things to pull back to the twig, to the branch, to the trunk. And then if I'm really good at what I'm doing, asking great questions, we get to the roots. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that person you worked with was able to help you get to the roots to get really clear. And as you were talking, I had this amazing visual that uh, I think about us as human beings and we're like a house. And what we do is that from the time we're kids we paint, we paint our house, right? And as we grow, we change. So we then we'll paint it another color and we paint it another color. So we keep painting layers upon layers on this house. But then, so we're just thick with paint and crud and this is who we are, who we think we're going to be. But then there's this moment when something profound can happen and experience, you can meet an amazing coach when all of a sudden they're like paint thinner and they help you scrape away all of the paint to get back to the true foundation foundation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm an essence of who you are, because we just keep painting. We're a society that loves to keep painting on top of stuff, as I you mentioned, this. not doing the healing, not getting to the root. We can get nerdy and even talk about functional medicine, right? And mm-hmm. how they get to the root cause. Of the- I'm not going to give you a pill. Let's find mm-hmm. out what's making you have acid reflux. or It's not, it's not, the, it's not the pill, that, that, that surface solution. Again, I'm getting, mm-hmm. getting too deep there. 
you said a couple of things I want to just help the audience with. You said you learn now that there's a difference between stress and anxiety. What is that difference? Personally, if it feels different in my body, um, you know, I think anxiety is very much tied to this kind of future, future state tied to time, tied to worrying about how things might play out. Like for me, the anxiety around the eye was what if, what if I then, what if I lose my sight? What if I go blind? What if this never heals? So it was very much in the what if versus stress being a little bit more presently rooted for me. Like I'm stressed because, you know, I'm putting, I'm, there's too much output here. I'm, I'm giving too much energy here. There's too much on my plate and I overestimated what I could get done today. So there's an element of just like being tired and being drained. Um, but I think that's the biggest distinction. I've never thought about this out loud, but the time orientation, one being future focused and one being more kind of present focused. Yeah. Thank you. The nail on the head. Cause when you said that, I was like, huh, maybe I've kind of thought those two were synonymous with one another when no, actually they're, they're two different things. And it's a good checking for myself. Like, yo, bro, are you stressed right now? Or are you anxious? Those are, are two different things. And I'm, so my brain's like doing some weird algorithms right now. That's bringing some cool clarity a couple more questions for you, uh, for that person. Again, I'm thinking about myself, but also thinking about the listener. And you, you said some key things, a lot of amazing things as you were sharing, but you said, you know, that you heal through information. Mm-hmm. So for that person that heard that and they're like, ding, 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 ding. But their question is, how do I find out what I heal through? Mm-hmm. Where, where do they go? Where can they like, can you unpack that a little bit? Oh, that's an interesting question. How to find out what you heal through. I mean, my first, just thinking out loud here, response to that would be what's worked, right? This is my like positive psychology brain turning on. Well, what's worked for you up until now? And let's look at past experience and pull out those bits and pieces of, you know, those clues and those hints that have led to healing or that have led to some type of success or some type of whatever that experience is you're wanting. What has it looked like for you? up until now? And how do you basically create the conditions to allow for more of that? Um, That'd be my initial response. I think it's also looking at what is it, what is it specifically that's triggering the anxiety perhaps? So for me, again, it was a lot of like, why am I feeling this way? That was my biggest, that was the biggest thing that kept coming up. Like, why am I feeling so anxious? I know I like, I can see everything's okay. Logically, I see this, like I see that I'm okay. Why do I feel so not okay? I needed an answer to that. I needed to know why I felt the way I felt. So to maybe pinpoint, like, what is that repeating internal thought that just keeps coming up? And what is, what's the response to that going to be? Is it, why am I feeling this way? Is it, um, what do I need right now? Like let the question lead you perhaps to see what's going to serve best. Questions, the right questions at the right time mm. can change Everything. your life. If you've read my book, you know that I don't have, I don't proclaim to give you the answers, but one thing I do have are the questions. Also mm. something I think that's truly important is that as you were knowing that you healed through information, you were working with someone. So many of us, when we're going through these challenging times, we think we got to sit in a room by ourselves with the door closed and think real hard. Let me tell you something, thinking real hard very rarely is going to be the solution. Am I right? Yes. Yes. I mean, I literally, I literally fell to my knees on the bathroom floor and was like, I I just need help. I can't figure this out by myself. I need help. And what a beautiful, vulnerable place to be 
allowing other people into your experience who, who can help. Right. And like, this is such a, a big conversation. I've oddly, it's like a, th- a theme that's been repeating itself over the past week or two, just in conversations I've been having. But what is that moment? What is that moment for you? The knees to the floor? Like, are you waiting to get there? Or can you prevent that from happening? And just earlier in the process, recognize that, you don't have to, you don't have to let it get there. You can ask for help earlier on and it doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It doesn't mean you're, it doesn't admit, it's not an admission of failure. Like it's, it's, yeah, we could talk hours on this whole thing, but. Listen, you just said, are you waiting to get there? Cause, because I think for a lot of people, again, I think the way my brain works is visual is a lot of people, you can see the car crash coming. Like right now you're, you're two lights away. But you can see if you keep driving straight right now, there's a car crash. Are you, do you want that to happen? Because you can make a new choice and you framed it so perfectly. What a powerful question. It's very simple. Two words, what's worked? And very few people, if you're stuck right now listening to this, I invite you, I'm looking looking at my camera as if somebody can hear me right now. This is all audio, but this is really like, this is just really real visceral for me right now. But If you are stuck right now, if you are going through a challenging time, ask yourself what's worked, right? Mm -hmm. I I think a quick practical example is when I think about, you know, if I want to have a good day, maybe not a great day, but I know if I want to have a good day, if I connect with a friend, if I sweat, if I learn something and educate myself, odds are if I do those three things and meditate a couple other things as well, odds are it's going to be a good day. Maybe not a great day. I know it's worked. So right now for you listening you probably can identify three things that if you do them every single day, you know it's going to aid in it being a good day. Maybe not a great day, but a good day. So think about what's worked. Uh, Talia, this for me, um, it's felt like a conversation. It's also many ways felt like a, a coaching session for me, maybe for the <laughs> listener as well. Uh, it's, it's, there's so much I think that could continue to just to pulse out of this. I just feel like you, you ever, my kids have this bubble machine where you pour the bubbles in and, and bubbles just come out. Right. And that's what this conversation has felt like <laughs> for me, just in the most beautiful way, just, just bubbles coming I agree. out. So for people that the, I know they do, but want to learn more about you and your work, where's a, where's like a good place for them to start? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'd say Instagram is the best place to really get a feel for me and my work and the stories I tell and the topics I speak to. And that's just first name, last name at Talia Delju. And my website's just taliadelju.com. Got a couple amazing programs um, planned out for the rest of the year. So wherever you're at in your journey, reach out. Amazing folks like Antonio out there doing this work too. It's like there's no shortage of support and help in the world. And Find your people, find your person, um, do your research and and be open to the next thing. Be open to the next thing, 100%. All the information she mentioned will be in the show notes where you can learn more about her. Talia, I can't thank you enough for, for making time uh, to come on the best thing. And I know people are like, don't stop this conversation. <laughs> don't stop it. Thank you so much for making time. And I just like, I, I feel like I shout this book out every day. It's it follows me everywhere I go. It's always in my purse. And I've just She's holding the book. Say, Stop living I, I am holding the right book. Now. I know I know no one's seeing the video, but I I mean, I will be rereading this book for the rest of forever. Like this is not a one and done. Like it's it's just it's my new, it's my Bible. So right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're you're welcome. I'm gonna let people even listen to what I'm gonna say right now because you just said something. One thing I'm really good at is helping people name books or brands. Are you ready for this? 
This isn't yeah. going to be out for a few weeks. So you have time to buy the URL and all that kind of fun stuff. <laughs> the rest of forever.com the rest of forever. or the book. Ooh, that's all yours. If, if you don't buy within 48 hours, I'm going to buy it, but I'll give you 48 hours to buy it. Okay. <laughs> Love then it. I'll, thank then you. I'll sell it back to you when you, <laughs> all right. Thank you, Talia. Uh, thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Best Thing. As you could probably tell, I absolutely love my conversation with Talia Del Joux. I hope you loved it as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information on me and The Best Thing podcast, just head over to my website at theantonionevs.com. There you can also sign up to read the first chapter of my best-selling book, Stop Living on Autopilot. Or receive five questions that can change your life. You can receive both of those things absolutely for free. All I need is your email address. Okay, if you haven't followed the Best Thing podcast already, please make sure you do that now. And while you're at it, please go ahead and give us a five-star review. Believe it or not, it goes a long way to help spread the word. I want to thank you in advance for doing that. And thank you again for listening. I will see you back here next week with another amazing episode. In the meantime, remember that the best is ahead. When you work and believe like the best is ahead, things begin to change for the better. Never forget, you have a say in this.